0: Hey guys, Brian Davis from Spark Rental here. Super glad to have you with us. And I am super glad to have Sharon Vornhold with us. She has been a real estate investor since 1998. She's a blogger, a podcaster, a real estate educator, probate investing expert. So Sharon,
1: welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Brian.
0: As you guys join us as an audience, let us know where you're tuning in from, let us know your questions. We'd love to hear from you as well. So on that note, Sharon, let's dive in and talk about, you know, let's rewind the clock to when you first got started in real estate uh, and what that looked like and how things have changed since then.
1: Uh, Things have changed a lot. Um, Growing up, my dad was a general contractor. So I always tell people about being the oldest child and most well-behaved. He drove me (laughs) around on job sites. So that was my early introduction to remodeling, taking something bad and making it look nice. And so I had another business, a home inspection business uh, that I started in 1991. And along around 1998, someone came up to me and said, hey, you want to go to a REA meeting? And I said something like, what's a REA meeting? That was my first inclination that you could be in real estate any other way than being a realtor. So I went to that meeting and the way I started out was rehabbing was what I wanted to do. So, I would buy a rehab, I would do a rehab or two and then buy a rental. And uh, I kind of limped along because I, I invested part time for 10 years until I, uh, you know, closed the other business when I went full time around uh, 2008, which we both know what 2008 happened. <laughs> it, was, it was the best of times and the worst of times. Oh, and yeah. that was the year I became an accidental wholesaler. So, I had some property that I had intended to, um, rehab, but you know what it was like. No one was getting a retail mortgage, money was scarce to find.
0: Very and tight, I just, yeah.
1: very tight. So I just decided to uh, unload those properties and I called up an investor that I knew and said, hey, would you like to buy these properties? Well, he still had a W-2 job. So, and he still had access to money and he said, sure. Well, that was how I became a wholesaler. And I never intended to keep on wholesaling, but it was just at the time, you know, the years passed and I started doing other things. So I kept on wholesaling. I began uh, teaching people. You know, I started blogging in 2010. I started the podcast in 2013. So it uh-huh. was all just very organic. There was never really a master plan, in other words. So that's that's really how I got started. And I'd like to say there was some brilliant master plan, but there re- there really was not. So I just kind of liken it to jumping out of the plane and grabbing the parachute as you go out the door because it was a wild wild west back then but you had the ability to pivot on a dime and that's what really saved all of us in 2008 ultimately our ability to pivot
0: well you know i certainly uh sympathize with what you say about not having a master plan and just kind of (laughs) seeing where the roller coaster takes you you know there has definitely not been a master plan in my career real estate or otherwise you know it's definitely been a a meandering road but but a fun one as well Uh, yeah you know and it and it is it is fun to be exposed to so many different sides of the real estate Mm. business and especially the real estate investing business uh you know i love how you've flipped houses and bought rentals and wholesaled properties and been an inspector Yeah. It sounds like you have definitely been around the real estate block as it were. So how have things changed for you since the great recession and the housing crisis? You know, so how, how did you go on to evolve from there?
1: Well, we talked about this a little bit, um, before the show, um, A lot of people took a beating during that time. And we learned a lot about what we thought was good cash flow. wasn't really so much good cash flow. Oh
0: yeah. I took a beating.
1: Yeah. And so in properties, maybe the type of property we were thinking was a good property, wasn't really what we wanted to end up with. So I think I started to rethink every aspect of my business and along the way, I always worked off-market deals, mainly because I just did not want to get in there and scrap around with thousands of agents and investors on the MOS. I told somebody one day, I said, it was really maybe being kind of lazy, but it was just so much easier. So that's when I found probates. And I started to focus on those because, you know, it's the cycle of life. The people will pass away. They will have estates. And many of them also have rental property. And oftentimes these properties have been neglected. The family doesn't want all these rental properties. I mean, how many people do you know in your family that goes, oh, Brian's crazy. I don't want any rental property. You know, <laughs> all, so, of them. <laughs> all of them. So that's the way it is with, in estates. These people go, what am I going to do? I've got this property that's, It's got a new furnace, a new roof, and it's got orange shade carpet and green appliances in it. What what am I truly, what am I going to do with this property? So maybe it's been updated. I mean, it's been updated as far as the major systems, but the cosmetically it hasn't been updated. And nobody wants to put their money into it. They can't list it on the MLS. And then they say, and Uncle Arthur has 10 of those dumpy houses over there. So It was a a unique opportunity for someone that's willing to talk to an actual seller. And the the thing that I love about this time period in history is with the baby boomers. You know, those are people born between 1946 and 1964. They are turning 77 this year, the oldest of those baby boomers. Well, the, the average lifespan in the U.S. is 79 years old. Now, not to say that All those people are going to pass away. That's that's not what's going to happen. But this demographic of people currently hold about 50% of the wealth in this country. That's not a fact that many people really know. So if you stop and think about it for a minute, there are a lot of opportunities here for people. They have the wealth. They have the ability to buy property. And where people used to turn 70, 75, they'd go into a, a nursing home. They don't do that today. They buy. They decide to buy another property. They they are actually upgrading their property, which is kind of a phenomenal thing. But it leads uh leaves a big hole in the market for people that uh, want to invest. Now, people that own a lot of their you know they own maybe multifamilies, maybe they're tired of fooling with those multifamily properties. So there is just so much uh, opportunity because a quarter of all occupied homes are expected to become available in the next two decades as baby boomers uh, opt out of, uh, you know, they, they age out of this, uh, time period. So it's it's a time of great uh, opportunity for real estate investors.
0: Well, that makes total sense to me. Um, you know, on every level, you've got people who are going to pass away owning their own primary residences, uh, and potentially owning rental properties to boot that mm-hmm. their their children and heirs don't actually want mm-hmm. so you know you're, to your point we're going to have this huge flood of real estate hit the market you know as baby boomers uh, pass away over the next few decades. so you've sold me on the premise here <laughs> <laughs> uh, but how do the actual mechanics of probate investing work?
1: Well, it's really pretty simple. this silver tsunami as it's called, they're going to dump an estimated 20 million. 20 million single family homes just from uh, baby boomers. That doesn't include, you know, other types of property in the next decade or two. So this process, people say, oh, it's really difficult. You know, there's so many pieces. I don't understand the leg- legality of it. You Guess what? You don't have to understand any of that. That's why God made probate attorneys. You don't have <laughs> to understand the only reason that, so you don't need to understand that. But what you do need to understand is the basic process, which is the same in almost every state with a few nuances among different states. So someone passes away. The estate is opened, usually by the person who knows they're going to be in charge. Maybe they know they're the executor, but the estate is opened and the court actually formally says, OK, you are the executor of this estate. Or if there was no will, if there's a will, it's called test date. And the person is named like your parents would say, Brian is the most responsible person in the family. So we're going to make him executor. If they haven't done that, if they don't have a will, then the court's going to appoint the next logical person. If it's a spouse or a child, they have kind of a hierarchy of how they do that. But they'll take care of that. And guess what? Then the next step is that the property can be sold. So all the assets in the estate are sold. Now, this happens really pretty early on, and this includes any rental property, any uh, personal property or, or real property that this person owns will be converted to cash because the next step in this process is that the creditors get paid. Now, the creditors could be anybody they owe money to, any outstanding mortgages on their properties. It could be uh, They have credit card debt. Maybe they have hospital bills, nursing home bills. Sure. You know, whatever whatever the debts are. So the estate is opened. The assets in the estate are sold. The creditors are paid. And then and only then do the heirs get what's coming to them. So the heirs are very motivated. But I want you to go back to. This whole dilemma is they don't know what to do. They don't want this property. They just want it gone. And that's the, the very important role that investors play in all of this. Investors truly are their, their saviors in all of this. If, if the property can't just be listed straight away on the MLS because it's a, a nice property, it's going to be sold to an investor. So there is a huge amount of opportunity.
0: So as a real estate investor, how do you go about finding these deals? Do you send, like, direct mail campaigns to executors as they get announced? Do you network yes. with probate attorneys? I mean, so how do you go about doing this?
1: Yes, you hit it right on the nail on the head. Once the estate is opened, and this could be anywhere from a couple of weeks to 8, 10 months, 12 months down the road, understand that the family has to get ready to deal with all of this. So... In most cases, it's simply because it's overwhelming. But once the estate is open, those folks are raising their hand and they're saying, I'm ready to sell the property. I'm ready to move forward with the settling of this estate. Now, you cannot buy the property until remember when we talked about the executor or the court appoints an administrator. That person is the decision maker. They're the ones that can legally sell the house. So there's no getting there first. For the love of God, don't work obituaries because. (laughs) One <laughs> you can't buy the house. There are people that actually do that, but you you don't have the information you need to send direct mail to these folks. So my golden rule is mail everyone every month, so long as the house is available. That well generally the time span will vary. Some will take longer, but fourteen months, maybe fifteen months, it's it's over and done with. So you're not mailing to these folks for years. But the the thing from a strictly business perspective is that. You get a set of leads this month. You get a set of leads next month, the month after that. It truly is a never ending source of leads for your business where you get the opportunity to help someone through unarguably one of the worst times in their life. And they are so grateful when you can help them.
0: Yeah, so that makes perfect sense. So, you know, it's public record, right, uh, the, the executor mm-hmm. of these estates. Is there like a, a, a paid service that you use that makes this information more easily available? Or do you go on the, uh, the, the state uh, websites to look up executors? You know, How do you find executors?
1: I wish I could tell you there was a magic button. I wish there was a <laughs> magic button. <laughs> there are over 3,300 counties in the United States, and each one of them is different. But right. with that being said, many of them have the leads online, and they're free. I always tell people to try to get them free before you pay for them, because they're very expensive leads and they're not always good. Oftentimes they are selling you obituaries. Mm -hmm. So how I found out where they were here was I called my local probate court and they said they're published in the newspaper once a month. And I thought that was so old school until I found out, God help you. If you live in New Jersey or some Florida, you're going to have to go to the courthouse in some of those counties. So check, yes, check and Google your county plus the word probate, your city plus the word probate. And if it's online, it will just come up. For instance, if you're in Chicago, it's just going to come up online. Uh, Many, many places around the country, they're just simply online. Texas, they're, they're online. So you need four pieces of information. You need the name and address of the executor or the personal representative, if that's administrator, and you need the name and address of the deceased. You don't need anything else. And your real estate attorney, when you write a contract on this property, and you should learn about the nuances of probate, because this is a different group of people to work with. And that's one of the things that I teach. But in most cases, you just simply need to know the information. You need to know a little bit of the common terminology. And then you need to uh, get committed to outsourcing your direct mail campaigns and mail everybody every month. And your leads will build month after month and some will come off. They'll be sold. They'll be sold on the MLS or an investor will buy them. But if you stop and think about for the average, I know you're not in the single family world anymore, but think about when you were, how hard it was to generate leads. Guess what? They're there every month for you. You just have to be the person that figures out how to get them in your city. And it's really not that hard in most cases.
0: No, I love that. So, you know, with it not being that hard, do you find that it's become more competitive uh, or is it still pretty much a, a blue ocean?
1: It's still a blue ocean when you look at the big picture. With direct mail statistics, um, about 51% of your deals, not your calls, any, will be uh, on or before your fifth mailing. So you, there's a little bit of a ramp up period. Now, that doesn't mean you won't get deals during that time, but your perceived competition will quit on or before, 90% will quit on or before the third mailing. So you just do your job, hang in there, let them all fall off. If, if I'm in a city of about a million population and we have, I don't even know how many agents now, maybe 4,000. So you've got those people looking at every single property on the MLS plus all the investors. If you have 20 people that are sending letters for a probate property after a couple of months, that's a lot. I would tell you it's probably more like 10 or 15. So that gotcha. yeah, I don't know. Is is there competition? Sure. Are there a bunch of letters going out in the first month or two? Yes. Do they, do they follow the process? No, not most of them. They don't.
0: All right. And do you try to reach out to executors in other ways as well, such as by email or social media, or do you just stick with direct mail?
1: You stick with direct mail because I like to tell people somebody's mama died. They do not want you to call them. They don't want you to text them, and they don't want you to knock on their door. Send them a direct mail letter, like a white computer-generated letter that says, Dear Brian, I'm contacting you about this particular property. So it should be a a personalized mail merge letter. Then, once they have called you, then yes, you can follow up in all the other different ways. But that initial contact, it's very hurtful to them when people skip over the step that they've suffered a loss
0: now that, that makes perfect sense that uh, you know given this type of investing you do need to bring a certain level of sensitivity to the table <laughs> Yeah, yeah. In, in, yeah well, in approaching leads
1: that's true but the thing i want you to know is these people genuinely want our help and they're just people like you and me you just talk to them like people trust me they're not going to bring up their father's horrible passing they're they're never going to talk about that they just want to be done they want to move on with their life and so they're there to talk about the property
0: yeah and it, it makes total sense that you know executors they have busy lives they have a full-time job in most cases they have families and social lives and other commitments and uh, yeah. you know this is just something extra you know that they have to deal with on the side so you know if you can offer them a, a quick and easy and painless exit mm-hmm. to expedite that process. Uh, yeah, it makes total sense that that they would be on board with that. So mm-hmm. you mentioned that you have a, a process that you teach around this. So if people want to learn about your process and learn more about probate property investing in general, mm-hmm. how can people connect with you? How can people learn more about what you guys are doing with this?
1: Well, they can go over to the blog, the Louisville Gals Real Estate blog, uh, I have a link off of there to the podcast, which is Let's Talk Real Estate Investing. Of course, you can get that wherever you get your podcast. But I also I have a, a ton of free content created since 2010. But I also have a course, my signature course called Probate Investing Simplified. Like any other investment that you make in a mentor or a program, this will shave years off your learning curve. And I'll show you the easy path to do this.
0: Well, you know, I I certainly appreciate that as someone who, uh, as we were talking about before, in my my 20s, I was too arrogant to go get help and get mentorship. And it cost me quite a pretty penny. (laughs) So uh, yeah, I I definitely believe that no matter what niche you pursue as a real estate investor, go find someone who has succeeded in that niche and get them to teach you. Uh, So you don't have to make all those expensive mistakes for yourself. So Sharon, this has been so much fun. Do you have any parting piece of advice or words of wisdom for our audience before we wrap things up?
1: Yes, I think uh, if you can specialize in something, I would say master, be about mastery, whether that is multifamily, single family, or something I believe in in niching down of making, making your mark and become really good at something. Then if you want to move on, that's fine. But don't be a jock of all trades. Be a person who has mastered something. And I do believe that off-market deals are a unique way to uh, generate leads, all types of off-market deals. Whether whether you're in single family or multifamily, if you can find those hidden gems, and there are a lot of them, you will, you will have better deals, more profitable deals, and easier deals to, to find.
0: Yeah, those are... Great words of advice. <laughs> uh, you know, if you don't niche down, there's going to be someone else who does and becomes mm-hmm. an expert and will inevitably beat you in, in that Every in time. that arena. So, mm-hmm. thank, Sharon, thank you again for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Audience members, please rate, review the show. You know, give us a shout out on, on iTunes or, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate that. And we will catch you next Tuesday, at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific catch you on the flip side. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.